Yeah, you know, a, a lot of times when they say based on a true story, there's like, you know, a scintilla of, of actual truth to the story, yeah. and then the rest of it is basically made up. Um, in this case, uh, you know, there was a, I, I spent uh, every day that we were shooting, I, I spent with uh, the real Rick Newman and Bryson Newman, who's now a graduate student down at Texas A&M, um, he was also there. So mm. um, I got to pick his brain. Uh, I got to pick Rick's brain a lot in the morning and hear stories about, uh, you know, what he and his son went through. So we tried to make it, you know, as close to um, what factually happened as possible. You know, there's a little bit of uh, creative uh, license there. But, um, yeah, so basically uh, – Bryson was a 14, 15 year old kid, great athlete, football player, baseball player, really, really a good baseball player. Um, started having headaches and, um, and his dad took him into the hospital and, uh, they, they didn't believe, you know, they just, they, for whatever reason, the, the, the doctors just were sending him home every day with aspirin and Rick would not take no for an answer. That's the kind of guy he is. He refused to, um, to believe that, uh, you know, a, a, an aspirin was going to fix his kid because he knew his son very well. And as it turned out, yeah, he, uh, he had a very, uh, aggressive form of, uh, cancer in his brain, a tumor. And they, uh, they went, they had to go in, uh, twice to remove this tumor and, uh, it's, it just kept coming back. And, um, you know, this film is basically about, um, uh, a man's uh, love and commitment to his son and to the family that surrounds them and the community that, that still exists, you know, that the strong Catholic community, especially down at, um, Cathedral Catholic down in San Diego, where this all, uh, took place. I mean, the support that this kid received from his school and from the community and the, uh, the Catholic, uh, family down there, um, was pretty incredible. So we, we thought it was a story worth telling and, and it looks like, uh, people agree with us. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Uh, tell us about, from a personal standpoint, I mentioned uh, you are a product of a divorced family raised by your father. I understand your father passed away. Uh, was it during the, the filming? And it must have been, you know, kind of, you know, gut wrenching to, to, to play a father while you're, you know, from your own personal standpoint, uh, drawing upon the experience with your own father. So uh, tell us about that personal angle. Yeah, I, you know, I grew up, uh, we, we grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic school, St. Michael's back in the day. And, um, you know, before, before my parents got married, my mother and all her sisters, they were going to become nuns. I mean, we have pictures of the, their pictures exist of all three of the daughters in there. I mean, they were on their way and I, I'm not exactly sure what happened. I mean, you know, my dad was handsome and, and everything, but I'm not sure <laughs> if he was that handsome, but, uh, <laughs> they ended up getting married and, and, uh, had two kids. I have an older sister and, um, you know, their marriage just didn't work out. Um, and, uh, so yeah, in the seventh grade, um, my dad basically took care of me by himself 
uh, you know, he, he could have just taken off and it would have been much easier for him. Cause as, as you said in the intro, I, I was a, you know, pretty high strung kid. I was into a lot of stuff. Um, uh, as, as I got a little older, I, I got into drugs and alcohol and, uh, I'll be 23 years clean and sober January 1st. If everything goes well, praise God. Um, and again, you know, that, thank you. And then that, that's just, you know, my dad never gave up on me. He was my best friend. He was my hero. Um, I talked to him pretty much every day. Um, just because, you know, it's like, as he's, as he's, uh, people that you love get older, you know, like I just always felt like talking to him every day was just part of my, was, it was like getting up and brushing my teeth. I talked to my dad and checked in on him. Um, he, uh, the last couple years of his life, um, he told me that he was praying for me and that was a big shift. Um, that had never really, uh, he had never really said anything like that. And it kind of triggered, um, a, a, a spiritual awakening in me. Um, something that, you know, I, I hadn't really considered or reconsidered since I was younger. Although, you know, there's a, there's a strong God component in AA. Um, but, um, he was very excited and he had been, you know, praying for, you know, it's Hollywood. So he's like, man, just please, Eddie, please, I pray you get a job out there because it's such a, you know, it's, it's such a challenge. But yeah. Um, yeah, he died just just before we started filming. And um, it was rough. Uh, it, it was rough, Dave. I, I uh, my sister and I were there with him. We spent the, the, the last few nights of his life in hospice in the room with him. He never left him. And, um, and then when he was gone, people started telling me, you know, your dad is with you. Your dad's, or he's not gone. He's still, and I want to, I want to believe that. Um, and so that just furthered my, um, my search for, um, uh, you know, for God. Yeah. And I think it's strength, it's strengthened my own personal um you know belief and justification uh that there is something uh, you know bigger than me and and uh and and so you know I I uh that's what I took with me when I when I went into filming uh of this uh of this piece um you know this is a film that at the end of the day, uh, you walk out of there feeling better about yourself. You, instead of, uh, feeling terrified about the world, I think hopefully we've, we've made a film that'll compel people to have some hope. Um, it's called miracle at Manchester. Um, so there's a, there's a strong religious component, but you know, we don't beat you over the head with dogma. Um, and, and, you know, I think that it's the type of film that if, for people who are like me, you know, kind of searching, uh, or on the fence. Um, I think it's subtle enough and, and it's, it, I, I like to think that it was done well enough that, you know, it could help other people consider that, you know, maybe they might, uh, want to, want to find their own spiritual path as well. 
Yeah, amen. Eddie McClintock is my guest. He stars as Richard Newman, the father, <clears throat> in a movie called Miracle at Manchester. It's currently streaming um, on Pure Flix. Go to pureflix.com, P-U-R-E-F-L-I-X.com, and uh, look for Miracle at Manchester, based at a Catholic uh, high school. Bryson Newman, high school athlete, diagnosed with an aggressive brain cancer. And obviously, uh, Eddie said he's still alive at A&M, so uh, we know there's there must be a happy ending <laughs> to this story since uh, the real life uh, Bryson is uh, alive and, and well, and, and I think he said graduate school. Um, and, um, yeah. Eddie, uh, you, you, the, as of the time that we're recording this, I think the, the movie has been streaming for several days. I think you said it was the end of March when it, it came out. Um, what feedback have you gotten? And you also told me before we started recording that you went and did a couple screenings down at Ave Maria University in South Florida. Uh, what, what are people saying? What kind of uh, like response do you get when people see the film? And the response has been, uh, really Positive. I mean, granted, we're, you know, we, we, we've been talking to, uh, you know, we've been showing the film to people that are, are, I think maybe predisposed to enjoying it. Um, just maybe purely for the fact that it doesn't have, you know, gratuitous violence or sex or language, you know, so it's the kind of film that everybody in the family can watch. You don't have to like be embarrassed if something comes up on the screen that you didn't um, expect and there are children in the room, it's like I said, it, it's just a good true story. And, and, uh, and it's the kind of thing that, you know, it gives people hope and encouragement and, and lets everyone know that there's, there's still, you know, community and that people still come together and are willing to, you know, sacrifice and, and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, I mean, that's, I just feel like that's kind of what we need today. At least that's what I need. So the response has been really good. Um, we, you know, we've had, I don't think I've seen any bad reviews of the film. Some are better than others, but I haven't seen any bad ones. You know, I mean, and we, we shot this in what was it, 11 days. Um, we were doing 16-hour days. Uh, we, you know, it's, we're, it's kind of guerrilla filmmaking. It's not like Hollywood. We don't have, we didn't have millions and millions of dollars to make this film. Tons of time. So, you know, a lot of times we were, you know, I was pushing the crew at 2:30 in the morning, and you know, they're looking at me because they got, they know they got to get up at 6 a.m. the next morning, and I just was like, guys, look, just hang in with me. I promise if we do a good job here, you know, it, it, we, we will have a film that we can all be proud of. And um, I, I feel like we accomplished that. Yeah. It must be an interesting dynamic to be the director and also one of the lead actors. How did you, how did you balance that out? Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was nervous about it. I, you know, there's just a, you know, you, it's the unknown. Um, uh, so, but, once I kind of got into the, you know, around day two, I, I kind of figured it out um, just as far as what I, you know, my vision and, and being, a, and Jason Campbell, who's the um, owner operator, JC films, you know, he gave me full reign to, to, you know, explore and be creative. And, and um, so it, it was, 
you know, it wasn't difficult. His wife, Heather, was there helping me. She became kind of my, she was my first AD. She was my script supervisor. She was my locations manager. And she also became kind of my, you know, a spiritual advisor for me. She took very strong faith and she's been through a lot. And, and, you know, as, as I said, I kind of was so opened up to the, this, uh, the idea of, um, you know, God and the spiritual path. And she, she helped me a lot. So again, you know, the, the kind of support that you see in the film is very much the same kind of uh, love and support that, that I have found now working in JC films uh, with, with these people that, you know, they're just, uh, you know, they're my kind of people. I grew up in, in uh, the, the uh, uh, Ohio, the Northeast part of Ohio. And, you know, before we sat down and ate a meal, we said a prayer and, and uh, you know, I, I feel at home. I feel at home there. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, the movie is called Miracle at Manchester. It's at pureflix.com. Pureflix.com. My guest is Eddie McClintock, who stars as the father, Richard Newman, in the film. And, uh, Eddie, I know you're married yourself, living in Los Angeles, and you have two sons yourself. I love what you said about just how many people love to just be able to relax, watch a good, clean movie. And, uh, you know, my, 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 well, I, I have three children, a couple teenage daughters, and a nine year old son. And, uh, we go through this ritual just about every week. You know, I'm doing the search, you know, clean movies, good, clean movies. And, uh, and, and it, right. Yeah. And so I, I'm right there with you. And I, I'm wondering as a, as a father, you know, how, how this film has helped you be a better father, especially with two sons and a wife. And, uh, how, how has it helped you in that regard? Gosh, <clears throat> you know, when, uh, when I was a kid, my dad, he taught me to, you know, when you meet someone, you look them in the eye and you get a, you give them a good firm handshake. And, um, that's just the kind of, I mean, it's kind of a metaphor for the way I was raised. Um, I, I like to think I raised my sons the same way. You know, the other day I asked my boy, my younger boy, I said, Hey, have I done a good job as your father? And he, he said, dad, look, as long as, uh, as, uh, you know, as long as your sons grow up to be kind, compassionate people, I think you've done a good job and all the other stuff will fall into place. And, you know, that was a, that was a good enough answer for me uh, that we've always emphasized that, you know, I, I always said, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a kind, compassionate kid over, you know, uh, 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 a piano savant every any day, you know, I just want, you know, I just want them to be, I just want all the other pieces will fall into place. If as long as they're, you know, that they're morally sound and good, honest kids. And, um, you know, Bryson Newman in the film is that kind of kid, you know, he just, he never lost his faith in God. He always believed that, um, no matter what, you know, it was part of the plan and pretty, you know, I mean, you know, in the, in, in the face of, uh, you know, the, a brain tumor, uh, what, what a, what a strong kid and, and, and a really a great role model for, you know, just other kids who are struggling and, and even those, even the ones that aren't struggling, you know, that just to show that 
you know, you can have faith and, and it's okay to pray. You know, like when I tell people about Miracle at Manchester, I said, so at the end, you know, you'll see what happens and it's up to you, you know, whether you want to consider it's a miracle or a coincidence or whatever. No one's telling you what to believe at the mm-hmm. end. No one's forcing you to believe, you know. Um, and again, it's the, it's that type of subtlety that I think is, is more attractive to people that, you know, maybe considering, um, uh, you know, a, a spiritual path in their lives. So yeah, my boys are pretty good. They're good boys. And, and, uh, and they, they liked the movie. We went down to San Diego and had a big premiere down in San Diego and, you know, after 25 years, I, I've been begging them to watch something that I've been in, and they're never interested. So I forced <laughs> them to sit and watch it here. They, they, they were a captive audience because we were in San Diego, and and I got I got good reviews from the boys. So oh well, that that means a lot, doesn't it? Well, uh, t- tell us uh, yeah. a little bit more about you know. I, I mentioned some of the movies that you've been in. I think people are certainly familiar with the Mighty Ducks and uh, some of these movies. Tell us a, a few of the 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 acting and perhaps directing jobs that you've had that people would recognize, and also what what you see you know ahead of yourself in the 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 months and years ahead, and what what other projects you're working on. Sure. Um, you know, the, as far as directing, <clears throat> this is my directorial debut. Uh, so this is my, uh, the first thing that I've ever directed. But uh, as you said, you know, I, I, I've been kicking around Hollywood for about 25 years. I, I've done, uh, you know, Desperate Housewives and Bones and Spin City, Just Shoot Me, Friends. Um, you know, I, I was really lucky. As I said, I, <clears throat> I got was kind of wild. Well, I was very wild. And I decided to, um, that if I was going to give this acting thing a shot, I needed to change my life. So I, uh, I got clean and sober and, um, you know, all of my, my friend group kind of fell away because they were all still doing the same stuff that we were doing before. So I just got into acting class and basically went to acting class you know, every, every day that I could and, um, got lucky, started doing national, com- uh, ironically, I, I started doing, uh, beer commercials for, uh, Coors Light. <laughs> oh gosh. And, um, <laughs> yeah. As long as you didn't have and to drink so, the beer during the commercial. No, 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 I didn't have to drink any beer, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, my car was a jalopy, but the gas tank was full and the, my apartment was kind of, you know, uh, kind of dumpy, but uh, the rent was paid, and and I just kept moving forward, um, and, and got really, really lucky. Um, I uh, I I really have enjoyed what I've what I've been doing over the last few years. I guess you could say my biggest success was on a show called Warehouse Thirteen, which I I starred in for five seasons on on the Sci Fi Channel. And, um, and then here the last few years, business has changed a lot. Being an old heterosexual Caucasian male, <laughs> kind of, I can relate to that. Has kind, of, <laughs> kind of put me at the bottom of the totem pole and, you know, as far as, uh, you know, desirability. Um, I reached out to Dean, I reached out to Dean Kane, um, 
I guess it's been a couple of years now. Dean, uh, I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with Dean. He played Superman on Lois and Clark and okay. has, uh, has been in Hollywood for a lot of years. And I reached out to him and I, I said, Hey man, I know you're doing these faith-based films. Um, you, you know, is there any way you could get me in next day? I got a call from Jason. He and I hit it off and, uh, you know, the rest is, is history as they say. And, and, you know, frankly, Dave, I, I just wanted, I just wanted to make money. I, I wasn't like, I just wanted to work and make money. And I knew Dean was doing that. So honestly, you know, the, the whole, this whole kind of subtle transformation that I, that I've been feeling, um, it, it was a bit of a surprise, you know, I, I, um, I just love the people, you know, there, a lot of the people there are, are, um, volunteers. So they're doing it just out of the goodness of their heart. And, uh, you know, I, I just haven't met a better group. So, uh, I'm going to continue. I, I was very concerned that maybe, you know, my, my acting career in Hollywood is, was over and, you know, that, that still may be. And, you know, my wife said to me the other day, she goes, you know, maybe this is what you're supposed to be doing. Maybe yeah. This is your, your, you know, and so if, if that's the case, then, uh, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting. Well, Eddie, thank you so much. I, I, I love the, just the, uh, the transparency and your story and how it kind of dovetails with this theme of, you know, father son relationship and, uh, awesome. I, you know, and from a manager of a Catholic radio station, I, I love that it all occurred within a Catholic school and a Catholic community. Uh, yeah. and with your Catholic yeah. roots, it's, it's very interesting. And, uh, we are out of time and I, I, I'm very grateful for your time and God bless you. I'm going to ask everybody listening to please pray for Eddie and his future and to being out there in Hollywood. I know it's, it's got to be very challenging to find the right roles without losing one soul. Uh, and also check out this film. Um, it's called Miracle at Manchester. Sounds like a, an, an amazing uh, picture. And it's exclusively streaming on pureflix.com. Pure and then F-L-I-X, pureflix.com. And you can go and watch it right now. And uh, and there's a whole lot of other great films also available at pureflix.com as well. Eddie, we're going to have to uh, leave it at that. But thank you very much. God bless you. And uh, thanks for your time today. Thank you so much, Dave. And uh, God bless you, sir. Appreciate it very much. And good afternoon. Thank you so much for listening to KTH 910 AM. You are catching the interview of the week. Excited today because we have some young people in the studio to talk about one of our local Catholic schools and some of their accomplishments. Uh, Dave and I both received a press release about uh, a pretty cool uh, statistic that came out from Cistercian Preparatory School where uh, out of their 47 seniors, 11 of them achieved their Eagle rank with Boy Scouts, which is pretty cool. And uh, I didn't even know that only 4% of Scouts achieved that. Uh, I'm not in the scouting world, so I didn't know that much about it, but I'm excited to introduce these two young men uh, to the radio waves to talk a little bit more about Cistercian Preparatory School and their time there and also um, all that they've done with scouts and all the good things they've been able to do with that as well. So without further ado, let me introduce, I've got Vincent Michelli 
Did I say that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. No, Michelli. Michelli. I was like, yeah. as soon as it came out, I didn't think it was right. Enrico Chan, uh, welcome to both of you. You want to say hi? Hi. Uh, thank you for having us. Absolutely. Um, so first, let's start with how you all both ended up at Cistercian. I think you both said that you've been there since fifth grade, fifth grade. That that's way? right. Okay. So let's start with Vincent. How did your parents choose Cistercian? Because there's a lot of, you know, uh, Catholic schools in uh, our diocese. Uh, well, uh, for me, my brothers, I have three brothers who ended up going there uh, and graduated earlier in the 2010s, so I was just planning on going there. <laughs> You're just, like, I was just along ju- the ride. Just had to get in, yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, Enrico? I mean, I um, I don't think any of my family members or anything really um, knew of Cistercian until really, I think, uh, coming from my Catholic elementary school, one of the teachers, you know, um, she was very fond of me and thought it would be a good fit. And, you know, I remember she told my parents, oh, uh, Cistercian turns your boys into men, which I thought, <laughs> which I mean, for fourth yeah. grade me was pretty intense. But um, I, I think my uh, parents and I realized that it is a uh, you know, pretty rigorous place. And so we thought it'd be a good fit um, for development and growth in every aspect. So that's awesome. Yeah. And you're both seniors now. So you're just a few weeks away from finishing up or when this airs, you might actually be done already. So I'm sure uh, it's in a very exciting time, but, uh, uh, let's talk about the school and, uh, kind of your experience there. Uh, does it start, what year does it start at? Is it fifth grade or is it, is it fifth grade? Okay, cool. So you all have been there for basically all that you can do. Um, and it's a pretty small, small school right and it's all boys um vince do you want to talk about some of your experience with the classes and the teachers yeah so uh it's very much originally a stem school so it's very difficult regarding math and sciences but i think also it does a really great job with the humanities and just the classical education that we get especially with the the monastic education they're trying to give and working with the priests and uh really an education for life rather than for any sort of work in particular. Mm, So I just broadly, I've really found that helpful with the academic rigor. Mm, Absolutely. Do you have a favorite class or fondest class that you, uh, well, or one that you maybe you're like, I'm really glad that one's over (laughs) as far as, uh, I guess one of my hardest classes that is just on my mind because I have the final project (laughs) tomorrow is, uh, the, I, took the Renaissance Senior Seminar, and it's just me and three other people with one priest, and we have been going through everything to do with the Renaissance and literature and art and music and architecture, all that stuff, and it's just really been rewarding. That's really cool. cool. Awesome. Enrico? Um, So one class that I've really, I think I'm really grateful for would be, um, it's it's definitely a difficult class, but also one I'm very grateful for is the, it's uh, similar to Vincent's, it's a seminar, it's a Spanish seminar. So as a Sturgeon, you're required to take three years of a language, so I chose Spanish. Um, I thought I did pretty well. I, you know, I had an A and everything. Um, and I, you know, I, thought it was, I, was, I thought it was pretty decent at Spanish until I took that seminar. Um, <laughs> I, was, I realized how hard listening uh, and comprehending Spanish mm. as well as reading um, advanced Spanish literature was. And so that seminar really helped me grow um, when it comes to uh, you know speaking and understanding, being able to write well, and um, you know it, it's definitely helped me become more and more fluent and um, understanding of Spanish culture, language, and um, everything above. 
That's awesome. And uh, it must be pretty cool to be able to have priests as, you know, your teachers sometimes. And I'm sure they're around a lot. Uh, like you said, I think they, some of them come over from UD as well. And so you're, you're in a very Catholic populated area. It's a pretty an epicenter of a lot of Catholic things in this area. It's very close to our studio as well. Um, so can you talk about the spiritual aspect of being on campus and uh, kind of what things is mass offered? I know is the, um, Abby there. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, every class has, or every form grade has one mass a week and, uh, once a month, the entire upper school has mass together. So, uh, we, we do have a lot of mass as well as our theology classes three times a week. So, uh, it very much is, uh, it emphasized the spiritual life is emphasized and, I think that a lot of students find that rewarding, whether they're Catholic or not, because mm-hmm. uh, really, if anyone is Catholic, he really gets into his faith, whereas someone who isn't has something to compare it to mm-hmm. and uh, something to bring home and talk about with their family. Yeah, absolutely. Anything to add to that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I think one of the, another important aspect is uh, the high density of um, monks, who are willing to, who are there for you their uh, their vocation is teaching um and spiritual guidance and i think um especially with some of my friends they've gone re- they've grown really close with these monks and are able to do these uh you know uh, one-on-one chaplain chats where they can discuss something that's really like uh hard in their lives or really difficult and um they'll be able to work it out uh almost like a almost like a therapist but more of like a spiritual uh guide uh and I think that's really helpful for uh, the mental health of a lot of the students and also the spiritual life. And, um, you know, I, I've really seen that, especially throughout the years. That's awesome. So I want to remind everyone that we're talking about Cistercian Preparatory School with two of their seniors, Vincent and Rico. And uh, we're also going to talk about some of their accomplishments. I got a long list from both of your moms. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it'll be fun to discuss all of that. Um, you mentioned that it's uh, very STEM focused. Um, and I actually think last year I talked to the robotics team when they won, uh, I think it was the world or something. They were very mm-hmm. excited. I got the whole rundown. I do not remember anything of how all that worked, but <laughs> they were very excited. What are some other clubs and activities that are offered as assertion that maybe you all been involved with or some of your friends have been involved with? Uh, well, I think Rico has really interesting clubs, but uh, as far as uh, me, I'm the head of the Reflections Literary Magazine, so we uh, work on getting anything creative, poetry, prose, art, photography from the middle and the high school, and then we put into one uh, magazine that's more of like a book, a uh, hundred pages usually about, and that comes out at the start of each new year. So it's really a one of the few creative things <laughs> that the school outputs because uh, we, uh, there aren't so many electives where there's a lot of creative expression. And uh, uh, I've also been part of the finance club at one point, and that's that was really fun just managing fake stocks. and. Oh, fun. <laughs> I was uh, going to ask what the finance <laughs> club entails. Yeah, we played a stock market game where we each got a certain amount of money and uh, just played the the real stock market, but with our fake stocks. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Was there like a particular uh, faculty member that helped lead that? or? Uh, yeah, so, uh, well, the, the, that was a, just an online game, but each club at the school is has a faculty sponsor. Very cool. All right, Enrico, what about you? So I've had a lot of, I guess, I, freshman year I was looking around at all the different clubs because I was, I was pretty excited about high school and being able to join clubs and all that. Um, 
you know, I realize Cistercian has some long-running, um, you know, big clubs like the yearbook called Exodus, where they make award-winning yearbooks every year, and they they never disappoint. Uh, or the Reflections magazine, which my friend runs and has been uh, the school magazine for. Or the Informer. You mean? Oh, sorry, yeah, the and uh, the Informer. Sorry, um, and it, it's been really important for the. Uh, you know, school community, and uh, and it's also been a tr- kind of a tradition. Um, I think the club I was most involved with was uh, not really like that. It was more. It, it was a new club that was started my f- freshman year called Molly Yuen. Um, it's a, it's Molly Yuen is very common with um, schools nowadays, and Cistercian um, had never had one before, and so I uh, I was one of the founding members, and eventually became the president of kind of a smaller club, but. Um, it was a, v- a very fun experience being able to grow the club, um, especially in such a, I guess, tight environment where you know everyone more uh, everyone knows a lot about each other compared to like a bigger school. Sure, absolutely. What exactly does that club do? So Mara Yuan is um, es- essentially all the students go to conferences where multiple schools, um, uh, multiple schools. Are, uh, all the students are assigned countries, uh, and, and they are they act as delegates, right, to of those countries. And so they solve problems like they'll have a conference on or a committee on um, like world hunger in uh, or like the World Health Organization or things like that. And um, you know it, it provides an opportunity for students to learn to work together, learn to uh, speak formally, and uh, it, I think. One of the best things about it is it gives Cistercian students to get uh, to get out of the Cistercian bubble a little bit and you know meet new people and uh, you know discuss shared interests. And that's what I've really enjoyed about it. That's really awesome. Uh, and obviously, outside of school, you've been pretty busy with uh, Boy Scouts. Uh, both of you have been active in troops. Uh, Vincent, you're in the one from Colleyville, uh, 1905, right. and also, and I'm also going to Rico. You was, you're in Grapevine at uh, Troop 007. So, uh, talk about when y'all got into Scouts and uh, both being accomplished now Eagle Scouts. So that's really exciting. So, when did you start, Vincent? Uh, well, I started in Cub Scouts. Not the earliest you can start now, but the earliest you could start at the time uh, as a Tiger Scout. I started after I watched uh, the movie Up because uh, <laughs> you wanted to also go flying away in someone's you know house uh, with balloons, you know, <laughs> no, <laughs> and be no. ready for that. <laughs> well, I guess that's true, but um, the yeah, uh, just the all the different achievement you can do in Boy Scouts and the activities. It's really a lot of novelty that you don't get anywhere else. So I started in Cub Scouts and actually the same Cub Scout pack as Rico uh, in Pack 850. And then from there just went and uh, looked at the troops and decided on Troop 1905. And uh, I found Boy Scouts to be far better than Cub Scouts for it being more boy-led and uh, the patrol system with the people you make meals with and you uh, go on campouts with and then... uh, the independence with ranking up and earning merit badges that is really different from uh, Cub Scouts where it feels more like you're getting handed things as you age up instead of working for them. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, Rico, anything from your perspective how you got started in it? Yeah, we've def- Vincent and I have both definitely been um, in 
Cub Scouts for some time now. I think uh, we started when we were about nine years old. And um, so, yeah, we started off in Cub Scouts, and eventually, uh, once you reach, I think, uh, a certain age, I forget what age, is it? It's like 10. Yeah, like 10 or 11 or something. Um, you go into uh, Boy Scouts. And I think what I liked a lot about Boy Scouts was, uh, I mean, Vincent can definitely talk about this, all the merit badges <laughs> that are available. I mean, um, Boy Scouts is definitely just a great avenue for trying new things. Like, um, for example, I think, um, I, I mean, as like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, I never really thought about uh, finance or things like that. But, uh, you know, Boy Scouts was... A great like a great avenue or opportunity for me to uh, start to learn about that through the boy uh, through the finance merit badge, mm. and so I think I, I think that's definitely one of the strengths of Boy Scouts, and was uh, definitely one of the reasons why it's like uh, definitely like one of the most important things for me. That's awesome. Uh, just a reminder again that we're listening to the uh, KTH nine ten AM interview of the week, and we're talking to two seniors from Cistercian Preparatory School. We've got uh, Vincent and Rico in studio with me right now, and they're also talking about their accomplishments with uh, Boy Scouts. They both are Eagle Scouts, and uh, talking about those merit badges. Uh, Vincent, when did you decide that you were going to accomplish all one hundred and thirty nine of them, or was that not a conscious decision? You just realized, oh man, I'm only five away. I might as well go all the way. <laughs> no, I well, it was. Definitely earlier, but because I remember when I was earning Eagle, I was I had that in mind. But I can't remember when I decided. But it's it's I don't know. It is just a very cool thing, generally speaking. And uh, earlier on, though, when I first started getting earning merit badges, the museum, the National Museum for Scouting, was in Irving mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, since it's moved to. Uh, Philmont Scout Ranch, or uh, the High Adventure Base, and but they used to hold classes at uh, the museum, and I would just fill out a packet and go in and have a discussion and do the requirements, and that was so streamlined, and I I had a lot of fun doing that, and I thought, well, I could just keep doing this until I exhaust all their classes <laughs> uh, until they moved away. But uh, the merit badges are great; they um, so the topics are so diverse, and they're meant to give you hobbies or uh, occupational interests. And they, they really ask you not only to the work related to the badge, but also to just connect with another or connect with an adult and uh, reach out to someone who you might not even have met, who might not be in your troop, and ask them to uh, speak with you on, on the work you've done. So it's super valuable. Yeah, you're certainly not going to be lacking hobbies in your future, that's for sure. <laughs> you can have a few to choose from. Uh, so apparently only one in uh, 100 in the history of Scouts to complete that, so congratulations for that. And Rico, you had some uh, pretty interesting ones too. Uh, beekeeping was one of them that I got told about. Uh, yeah, I did do the... Um, I, I, yeah, the beekeeping merit badge was uh, pretty interesting because um, it was the avenue or the, I guess, the source of what ended up being a family-run beekeeping uh, farm and so honey cool. production uh, hobby for my family. So, you know, it was definitely important for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, was there another memorable one for you besides the finance and the beekeeping that you kind of uh, stuck out in your memory? I think, in my opinion, my favorite experience earning a merit badge was the scuba diving merit badge. I was I was pretty young to earn uh, my PADI scuba diving uh, certification, and I think it was definitely like a leap. It was definitely a leap. Um, it was definitely a challenge to be able to get that 
merit badge because, um, you know, as a like 12, 13 year old, you know, I'm, I'm pretty small and I'm lugging around a bunch of uh, metal tanks and stuff underwater and having to do um, like, you know, scuba, scuba diving operations. So I thought that was, uh, it was definitely a challenge, but it was also really rewarding because um, now I'm able to say I go on vacation somewhere uh, near the coast. I can, um, I can go scuba diving and see this whole other world that, you know, not a lot of people get to see. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I don't know if I am brave enough to scuba dive, but congratulations for doing that at 13. <laughs> um, and uh, so let's talk a little bit about your uh, ego projects. Uh, that's like the kind of penultimate thing that y'all do. Um, how did you, first off, maybe uh, for anyone who's not familiar, um, what exactly is required of that project? Like what are the parameters to be able to complete it? Uh, well, so you have to fill out a pretty long packet and meet with a, <laughs> Eagle advisor before you can go to someone from the council to get it approved. But uh, I mean, Eagle projects can range from just uh, making a couple of benches to uh, something like a study organization to uh, something more nature related like uh, uh, landscaping, that sort of sort of thing. But uh, usually, I think it just has to be something community service related for a religious institution or educational institution or. Uh, like a nonprofit, something that's help play, helping the community, mm. and uh, so if you'd like me to talk about mine, yeah, absolutely, or, go for uh, it. So you didn't go too far from home on this one. Yeah, <laughs> well, I just uh, went to Mr. Tim Parker, the director of facilities at the school, and uh, so at Cistercian Preparatory School, he told me that they had been meaning to uh, sort of uh, re- redo the hill outside of the athletics area where and uh make it all mulch and put in six new trees so and these these weren't really small saplings they were larger than me and so i helped lead people put mulch over this 40 by 4 foot uh square foot area and to plant uh three chinkapin chinkapin oak and three cedar elm trees and so that was just one day in february uh 2018 and then uh, went home, did a ton more paperwork, and got all the signatures. <laughs> You're like, I am done now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah, it all it all really depends on the the people who help you too. Because uh, I I had over sixty volunteers help me, so that really there's no way of doing it without them. Because the point of the Eagle Project is not for you to do something; it's for you to to be a leader and uh, lead people in something helpful to the community. So. That's really cool. Enrico, talk about your project a little bit. You did one at your parish or at a local parish. Is it your parish, this one? Uh, yes, I, I did it at St. Michael's uh, Catholic Church where there is a community garden. And what I did was I raised, so first I raised money. Um, th- th- that's a crucial step for everyone's Eagle project to raise money I from gotcha. you know friends, family, or uh, outside donations. And then um, I used... I used a um, rainwater collection barrel to create a um, system where uh, rainwater from the church would be collected into those barrels and could be used to distribute water in that um, public garden. Oh, beautiful. That's so. awesome. That's super cool. I'll have to, next time I'm over at the parish, they're really uh, good friends of Catholic Radio. I'll have to go and check that out. Uh, and I also forgot to talk about when you were talking about your beekeeping and honey, um, that when the uh, war in Ukraine started, 
that you were able to use that honey and the funds from the honey to help support some the uh, a charity out there. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So what we basically did was um, we had a really good harvest season with the honey. So we had tons of extra bottles. You know, normally we have those. We just make the uh, we just collect the honey and put them in bottles just to have as Christmas uh, gifts that year. Oh, nice. Um, but this year we had way, like, an insane amount of honey and we didn't know what to do with it. So um, I realized that we could use this for, uh, for a good thing. So we worked with uh, Save the Children, which is a charity foundation which provides uh, aid to um, displaced peoples and um, refugees uh, around the world, and um, we were able to raise—I uh, forget how much exactly—but a very large amount, of, large amount of money by selling these uh, these jars of honey to the Cistercian community. That's really awesome. That's really cool. Um, uh, I'm sure your parents are very proud, both of you all. And I'm wondering that since so many of the um, guys graduating also were in, involved in scouting. Do you feel like, because you started Scouts around the same time you started at uh, Cistercian, roughly, uh, do you think being in that community really helped you all? Um, like, being at Cistercian was obviously very rigorous, and then also you were doing a pretty rigorous, you know, Boy Scouts program as well. Do you think those things kind of went hand in hand? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, the a lot of the people out in our class are from more Dallas, so we, we hadn't met them through Scouts before, but since we're in separate troops, but I think that the, the two programs do go hand-in-hand hand with just development and uh, leadership and uh, exploration of, of knowledge. It, it's really, a, I think, generally, they, they are very uh, coherent together. Awesome. And we just have a few minutes remaining with you all, so I want to talk, going back to Cistercian, talking about uh, now that you're about to graduate, uh, to look back on your past years there, do you have any fondest memories of your time, whether it be a class, a a particular event or community activity that y'all did that really sticks out in your memory. Uh, well, for me, I'm uh, the thing that comes to mind first is the the most recent homecoming. Uh, we always go all out on the decorations. We spend uh, weeks prior uh, preparing the gym and totally changing it into whatever theme we have. So the 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 most recent homecoming of just generally movies and. Uh, being seniors, we got to dress up, and so I thought that was that was like just the perfect homecoming. That was a great night. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good. Anything for you, Rico? Yeah, I mean, um, just looking just looking back, I feel like the this this go this goes with the um, the focus on faith life as well at the school. Um, I think the retreats, the class retreats that occur every year, uh, or maybe uh, I think the frequency increase of those retreats increases. Um, later on as juniors and seniors, but I think those retreats were very integral. I mean, um, they were definitely place very fond memories of uh, spiritual growth and uh, just the the class growing together even uh, even stronger. So, I mean, starting in like, you know, from fifth grade to uh, 12th grade, being able to go on like a, year, a yearly retreat with the same people, um, you know, just check in how, on how everyone is doing, um, and, you know, realize some, uh, you know, what we need to work on, uh, what we're doing great. And the fact that, you know, we're, we're all still here, I mean, um, and that we're in this together. So I think those, the memories of the retreats have been, um, really instrumental in, uh, the Cistercian education.
That's really cool that that's built into your schooling because, you know, for adults and for everyone really in the Catholic faith, it's encouraged to go on a retreat a year. We don't always make the time for that. So it's nice that you all are able to have that uh, experience. Uh, Before I let you all go, you're both still kind of deciding on uh, college and future decisions, but uh, I'm sure uh, whatever you all choose, it's coming up pretty quickly. (laughs) It'll be a good decision. So we'll pray for you all in that. Um, But uh, any words you might want to say to any parents who are listening right now who have sons that they're considering schools you want to maybe like put a plug in for Cistercian as you're like you know fond farewell <laughs> well yeah if you have a son who's uh, going into thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco Dallas Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network Catholic Radio for your soul in North Texas heard also on grnonline.com and on your smartphone 